Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to the What's Next podcast, where I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Ryan Leslie to the show today. He is an American recording artist and record producer from Washington, D.C. At the age of 19, Leslie graduated from Harvard. Yep, age of 19, with a degree in government concentrating in political science and macroeconomics. If that wasn't enough, during his freshman year, he devoted many hours per week to creating and developing music in a studio basement on campus. He taught himself basic production skills and also developed a musical style of his own, leading him to produce music for a number of prominent artists in a variety of genres, ranging from R&B and hip hop to pop and gospel, including Casey, Usher, and Britney Spears. Plus, he is a Grammy-nominated artist, but it doesn't end there. How I Met Ryan was at a recent Harvest Summit where he was talking about Superphone, a company he co-founded, which is a custom text management product to track talk and to transact with his fans. Now he's turning Superphone into a full-fledged CRM for SMS with a new app and round of funding from the likes of venture capitalist Ben Horowitz. So with that, I'm just not sure what else he could possibly do but he's also been nominated for a Grammy. So welcome to the show. Wow. What an introduction. How's that? What an introduction. Thank you so much. Seriously. Thank you so much. Well, I was like, how do I even pick what I say about this guy? Like he's a smarty (laughs) pants, went to Harvard and it was like one of five schools that let you in. It's like, you know, all in that league. Wow. And then, you know, and you just decide to get into music and, oh, you know, produce for Britney and Beyonce and work at that boy. And, you know, and then, oh, now I'm going to get into tech. It's like, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, have, I have one simple mantra, and that, and that really is to just guard independence and guard inspiration and, and hold them really close to, to your chest so that you can actually be the kind of person that delivers your best. And when, you know, when I was at Harvard, I, I, like you, like you mentioned, I was able to give the uh, Harvard oration the year that I graduated. And uh, very, very simply, when you, when you do what you love, you have the ability to give your best, not because other people expect it from you, whether it's parents, colleagues, friends, classmates, but really because it's coming from a voice uh, within that keeps you up at night. And so as I have transitioned through the various pieces of my life coming up I really had a strong uh, appetite for education I think that came from my parents and then I had a strong appetite for music and now I've really really focused my sights and energy and, uh, and and emphasis on on really how I can leave the kind of legacy that that gives people um, as much value as I possibly can create uh, with superphone so I mean yeah I think uh, I think it, it, it really all all of this um, I think all of it really comes down to just the ability to guard the ability to have the kind of latitude to just be independent and be inspired. Well, you know, that what a goal, right? I mean, I think that's that's an awesome way to to look at it, especially uh, in the industry, you know, that you have surrounded yourself in in music and now coming into tech. But before we dig into the conversation, I can't let you off the hook for my standard bullish and bearish intro to the show. Cause it's a great way for everybody to learn a little bit about you, but have a little bit of fun too. So, Let's go. all right. So bullish is if you're for it, bearish is if you're against it and, uh, hopefully it won't be too painful. So you ready? Let's do it. All right. So 
artificial intelligence one day will replace musicians bullish or bearish bearish uh, i knew you'd say that but you know i had to i had to try but you know there's been a, there's been a lot of use cases around it so it's super fascinating we'll talk about it uh the next one is virtual reality concerts bullish yeah i think so too right because you can reach so many more people that can't potentially get to you all right. And then the third one, a little lighter and a little more fun, is moving back into your parents' house after college. Bullish or bearish? Bullish. <laughs> I'm bullish so, on that. <laughs> so we're going to start there. So we're going to back up, right? You graduate from Harvard. Your parents are totally thrilled. You've graduated with this degree in political science and macroeconomics. You've given the oration. You know, you are on your way. And then you say to your parents, what? I say to my parents, hey, I've decided to pursue this music passion. And after, I would say, maybe a good three, four years of, of really just trying every single avenue, I had to move back home. And the most ironic piece of this story is the fact that my parents knew this was coming because when I came out of school, I had to transfer all of my bills to an address that wasn't on campus and that address was my parents home so they knew when my bills were 30 days 60 days 90 days 120 days overdue that ryan was coming home and eventually that call actually happened and i moved right home i think the the greatest takeaway though is is the fact that humility plays such a large role in any great creative process and it took a great deal of humi humility to come home after really being kind of or seeing myself as kind of a golden child of my parents and to come back home and just lay on the couch and really think to myself okay is this really what i want to do in life have i reached my lowest point even in this lowest point can i ask myself the hard question is this really what i love and what i really want to do and when that answer was yes I think my parents understood it. And really, my dad actually, uh, he took out a loan. Well, not really a loan, but maxed out a credit card so I could get some music equipment. And uh, uh, the deal that I cut with him is that uh, I, I would actually pay him back double over five years. And I think that that mixture of belief plus investment and, you know, emotional investments are much different from rational investments. And I think in any other situation, if a kid came to you and said, Hey, I'm a, you know, I, I believe I'm going to be a great musician. Can I borrow $15,000? It may or may not be the most rational investment, but I think the closeness of the relationship with my dad, there was an emotional investment there. And uh, I mean, all of it worked out great. A year later, I was able to pay him back that double because I caught my break in New York City as a musician. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm I'm all for whatever the wilderness period you need to go and find and do the soul searching to give you that kind of inspiration to move forward and really make a big impact. And I think it has everything to do with that kind of unconditional love, right? It's like they believed in you because you were so committed and you'd proven yourself to you know, work hard and do all the things you needed to do from an academic standpoint. So I'm sure they felt that if you gave uh, music even half as much as you had given academics, uh, that you were going to be fine. But as you said, it was some, it was a break that got you into the music business. I think it was a, a, an internship, wasn't it, that turned into uh, your career? 
Yes, yes. So I remember that phone call that I got. Uh, my former manager, uh, he's passed on now. Uh, rest in peace to Ed Woods. But he he called me up and said, "Hey Ryan, look, I know you've been really trying your best to 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 get a foot into the music industry. Uh, I'm not going to make any promises, but I've got an internship. It's unpaid. It's 30 days." And you'll be working under the wing of a producer that that works really closely with Sean Puffy Combs, and also has you know produced some some pretty big records. And he's looking for somebody that can you know make some original music to put on some of his uh, his drum tracks. And so I remember giving my mom a hug uh, on my way to to New York City, and I remember her you know just having that that mother's intuition that uh, that I wasn't going to come home. And I said, Mom, you know it's just a thirty day internship. And uh, she was right. I, I moved to New York in 2003, and uh, I'm still here to this day. Um, uh, and I've had I've had an incredible ride. But that internship led to a meeting with with uh, with Puffy, Diddy, uh, Sean Combs, however however moniker you prefer for him. And uh, for two years, he was my manager as a producer. And that kind of connectivity uh, was really the 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 lightning, if you will to really jumpstart and, and, and really energize my career. Uh, because just having that proximity to all of the greatest artists, I mean, I think at the time he was working on the Bad Boys 2 soundtrack. And I think uh, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith just announced that they're gonna do, a, uh, they're gonna do another, an, 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 another movie in that franchise, but he was working on Bad Boys 2 at the time. And uh, he just had a who's who of artists uh, in and out of the studio. And my first real break was a record for Beyonce called Keep Giving Your Love to Me, which appeared on that soundtrack. Yeah. So, okay, let's just back this up. Graduate from Harvard, move home, take a loan out, do some 30-day internship, random, you know, give your mom yeah. a hug and then yeah. go, oh yeah, I'm working on a soundtrack with some guy named Sean Diddy Combs, who's got this artist Beyonce who's doing yeah. some soundtrack for Bad Boys 2 with this guy Will Smith like yeah. <laughs> you, you kind of just say what <laughs> yeah you really do you really do and I mean I think my entire journey up to this point has definitely been pretty surreal and uh I think uh I think that really for me it's just about being able to dream and know that you can actually write whatever story you want to write for your life. I mean, there's a song that, that that's on uh, one of my recent albums called History, and the intro to the song says, life really is what you make it. It's whatever you write in your own history book. So whatever story you write, make sure that it's good. And so, I mean, for me, I, I uh, through the ups and the downs, the trials, the challenges, I wanted all of them to be as epic as possible. And so to actually be working with those names I think is consistent with this idea that you write your dream and you can write your dream into reality. Well, I, I think that's so fascinating, right? Because I think it gives a window into, cause you're a songwriter as well, right? So you write the song, you perform the song and it's a window into your own journey, right? But yes. that's on the outbound of it, right? The inbound of it is as a consumer of your music, like mm -hmm. it also shapes moments in time. Like I know when I'm listening to the radio, if I hear a song or I'm, you know, somewhere and I hear a song, like it immediately, I go, oh, I remember when I heard that song first or last, or I remember I was at a party or it was really funny and we were on, you know, wherever I was in the world or it, it music then draws us as listeners to, it, it sort of attaches to our story. So it's like your story attaches to our story as, as consumers of it, right. Or, you know, through the enjoyment of music, 
uh, it's this connection between the artist and the and the fan, if you will, uh, or the song, right? But so fascinating. Yeah, and I, and also, I mean, I've 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 been in so many situations where people actually say, like, look, I I didn't know the right words to say, so in that moment, I played your song, right? Uh, you know, I was breaking up with my girl, or I wanted to propose, and you know, the way that you put it together was so poetic, and it it actually uh, encapsulated everything that I was feeling and communicated in a way to music. Uh, that was that much more impactful and that much more beautiful. And so the I think the other piece about music for me, which is so fascinating, is that uh, it's one of those mediums in art where you actually, I mean, if you look at a piece of art that's on the wall, you look at it and it's on the wall. If you look at a movie because of how long form it is, um, yeah, maybe there are movies that some people have watched a hundred times, but really just by nature of the length of time that it takes to watch a movie, watching it a hundred times is, is, a, is a really huge investment of time. The beauty of music is that, uh, you know, I've, I've, there's been so many Sundays where you just put on your favorite record when you're, you know, tidying up your house or you're on your way somewhere. It really is a beautiful soundtrack. And the fact that you could actually listen to a song hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, hundreds of times, and still be living your life is, I think, one of the most unique aspects of music as a, as an art form and as an express and as a form of expression. And also the the power uh, and the responsibility that we have as artists and songwriters to take our ability to express ourselves uh, in, in in the way that we can to make sure that it does resonate with those who you know may have a challenge putting those same kinds of words together. So it's it's been an incredible journey. Yeah, and I, I, I'm on a much smaller scale, of course, than you, but I, I completely agree. I, I feel like, um, you know, I keynote and speak on stage all over the world, and I have now for almost 13 years. It's been a while. And, and so through that, you have all these interactions. And so people will come up to me and say, oh, I remember I heard you speak at, and I totally changed something in my business, or I hired somebody, or I stopped doing this, or, you know, from a business perspective. And it's such a great... Um, validation of the hard work we put into the preparation of what we do and the connection that you have with people that you may never know and that sort of silent influence because they'll walk out of a presentation or they'll walk out of a concert for you or they'll turn off your record, right, which you never see them and you've connected and then you may run into them at some point or they, you, they, they try to connect with you. And I think you have been masterful as well as not only connecting with people through your music, but also leveraging social media and being one of the sort of pioneers in many ways on the music front anyway, of, of getting into using social media to connect better with your fan base, you know, your YouTube channel, your MySpace page back in the day, um, you know, Twitter, what you, you know, you've been one of the most watched and viewed artists. And so I, I'm guessing that's how you've sort of used technology to continue to spread the genre beyond music. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I really have. And, you know, I had a call today just kind of randomly um, um, helping my my family. They're looking at getting into a new house and uh, called the loan officer, actually. And she has a she she has a. Um, she has a daughter who wants to get into music. She says, "Hey Ryan, you know, do you have any advice?" And really, the reality is that today we're in a we're living in a world of so much incredible connectivity, and you really can actually connect. And I've I, I have adopted this mantra that success happens at the speed 
of communication and whatever your vision is, the faster that you can connect and communicate that vision to the right person with the right resources at the right time, the faster you can actually make uh, incredible happen. And so, yeah, I, I mean, social media is, is a great way. It's an information superhighway. I think uh, the statistic is that an eight-year-old kid has more information at their fingertips than President Clinton did when he was at office. And so I think really the beauty of, of that information superhighway, the best way to leverage it is to leverage it to create meaningful connections. And I think, you know, the the scale of social media sometimes buries that, uh, it buries that uh, such a valuable byproduct of creating meaningful connections because, hey, you know, I can have 300,000 followers on Instagram, 500,000 followers on Twitter. And I was always searching for that most meaningful connection. And meaningful is in so many different, there are so many different elements of meaningful. It could be looking for the right advisor, the right mentor, the right investor, uh, the right consumer, the right, uh, the right collaborator. And so uh, social media really gives you an, an amazing landscape to make that happen. And it's really up to us to be intentional about how we extract meaningful relationships out of the connections that we make on social. Yeah, and I think that's what led you to thinking about how do I actually connect better with people? Maybe you can sort of share the the foundation or the genesis or whatever triggered you to think about Superphone and how that came about. Yeah, so really, as as I just mentioned, I've, I've got a, a million plus following across all my social channels. And I just really started to realize that I felt very, very disconnected from those folks. And in many ways, a lot of that disconnection was directly correlated to the fact that their feeds are so crowded. They have so many folks that they follow. And so I wanted to find a better way to cut through and make sure that when I had a message to deliver, it was actually getting to them and it was getting to them in a timely way. I mean, the Instagram algorithm, sometimes I'll see posts from family or friends two days later. And so I wanted to make sure that that timeliness and uh, and direct, I, I was timely and direct. I wanted to make sure that I was timely and direct in the delivery of my messages. And I found that uh, that a, a retro social handle, like a cell phone, was really an amazing way to get into the most important real estate on everyone's phone. And that's the text message feed. And so uh, I set out to devise and develop a platform that would allow me to actually have a cell phone on everybody that was interested in connecting with me. And that was the genesis of Superphone. And I put my number out on Twitter, 35,000 people texted me of the 500,000 that I had following me. And uh, it was a really a staggering journey. 35,000 people texted me. My phone was intelligent enough to text all of them back, ask them for their information so I could have rich contact profiles in my phone of everyone that texted in. 33,000 people gave me their contact details. Every single one of those people got a message that invited them to support my latest project. And one out of every two people actually did so. And I went on to have, you know, a $2 million album cycle with no label, uh, all over text. And uh, that led to a, a meeting, a, an introduction by Tristan Walker, who was at the time an entrepreneur in residence at Andreessen Horowitz. He texted in. Uh, we had a great conversation. And that led to a meeting with Ben Horowitz, who was the first angel investor in taking Superphone from an idea to an actual product. And uh, here we are, $5.7 million in venture funding later, 
um, with customers all around the globe uh, who are basically enabling themselves to connect in this intimate way over text with their customers, consumers, followers, friends, family. Uh, and it, it, it's been an incredible journey. And so, you know, th this is what I, how I met you, right? I heard this and I said, oh, that's kind of interesting. While I don't have as many followers as you do, right? The first thing I did after I, you know, heard your presentation and before we met was I text messaged you, right? That's the first thing I did. So then I like waited and I got this response. And then I said, okay, well, I got this response. Now I have to go do something. So I go and I do it, right? And then I, then you left. And so you had said something on stage that, you know, then when you're leaving something, you'll see, you know, who has reached out and you'll uh, be able to sort of attach that to where you just were. And then you responded back and how, here's how you ended up on, on the podcast, right? Yep. But how do you scale that, right? Because I would think that you would get a lot of inbound and how do you navigate that without it sounding you know, like it's not you, like it is automated and, and how do you keep the personal touch at scale? Yeah. I, you, you asked about, uh, artificial intelligence and, uh, the, the way you keep the personal touch at scale is actually make sure that it's personal. And when you think about artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence, hopefully and natural language processing, machine learning will allow you to actually maintain a personal element to conversation and a personalization in conversation means that the conversation has to be tailored to the personal preferences, needs, um, and, and elements of the conversation that, uh, that, that, that you derive from having a great conversation. So if someone texts me for the first time and I don't recognize that number, it's going to be very impersonal. And the, the, the first message is going to be, very simple. Hey, I don't recognize this number. I'd love to keep in touch. Please introduce yourself. And the more information that we can exchange, the more that you know about me, the more that I know about you, the better uh, the system can learn how to keep it personal. And so every single day, uh, my phone is smart enough. I don't need a nudge from Facebook to tell me whose birthday it is. My phone's already texted everybody to say, hey, it's Ryan. Have a great day. Happy birthday. And at that juncture, whoever responds, those are the people with whom I can engage. And my phone also gives me the ability to prioritize those conversations that are most important. So let's say I'm looking to cut a deal with a large telephone manufacturer. My phone can tell me, hey, these are the folks that you know at that telco. And these are the, these are the metrics and analytics on your messaging and phone conversations with those people. And so it gives me some actionable insights so that if I need to call them more, reach out more, uh, invite them to a dinner, et cetera, my phone is giving me these kinds of insights. And so I think that uh, there's, a, there's, there's a scientist um, by the name of Robin Dunbar, and he has a number, Dunbar's number that says, hey, we can only have 150 meaningful relationships at a time. And so I think Superphone is not necessarily about, hey, how do you talk to 80,000 people? It's much more about of the 80,000 people that you've come across in your life, who are the 150 or so, or even 10 or 15 that are going to be most critical to building a deep relationship so that you can make the kind of impact you want to make in the world? I mean, when you look at uh, Bill Gates and, and, and Paul Allen, when you look at... Um, you know, uh, Larry Page and Sergey Brin from Google, when you look at, uh, at, 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 uh, at, uh, at the folks that have kind of built all of our, uh, you know, uh, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. I mean, when you look at those partnerships, you know, they're, yeah, of course, they had millions of fans of their products, 
they doubled down and invested in the relationships that were going to be most critical to delivering the kind of of, of value that they envisioned giving to the world. And so I think Superphone's really about that for me. Uh, yeah, of course, I've got a bunch of fans and it's great for updates and it's great for letting people know when I've got a show and it's great for letting people know when I've got a new album. And at the same time, it's much more powerful as a tool to surface the most important conversations, make sure I don't lose touch with the people who are going to be most critical for me to be able to deliver the kind of impact and value I want to give to the world. And so where do you see that going beyond sort of the personal? Cause I think there's a huge value there, obviously. Right. And I, I think people listening who say, Oh, you know, even if it's our top tier customers or our customer advisory board or, you know, our marketing team or whatever it might be, right. There's all kinds of uses versus thinking about it at a full platform. Like I'm everybody I know, like every connection I'm going to enter into it. Maybe I get more targeted like you just said, um, amongst the 80,000, there's, here's the 150, but it could be, you know, here are the 500. I already know who they are, um, potentially. Right. And how do I add them in and out? Are you thinking that way too? Are you thinking taking the aggregate and then finding those within it and letting them organically show themselves? Yeah. So, I mean, really, we, we, we really have kind of, a. uh, uh, an approach that's kind of agnostic to whatever methodology you want to employ. So when we say that there's an approach that's agnostic to whatever methodology, we really first and foremost believe in the fact that you should have control of your personal data, right? And personal or professional data. So if you're a company, if you're an e-commerce retailer, you should actually be the one that actually controls the relationship with all of your customers and the communication channel, right? So that you don't get clobbered by the Instagram algorithm or the Facebook algorithm or Twitter potentially shutting down. You've actually got a direct line of communication that you own. And then basically we just provide the intelligence, insights, analytics, segmentation, automation, whatever you need so that you can employ whatever strategy you feel is best for your business or for you personally in your pursuit of excellence, right? So I think uh, in the future, we really just want to provide a, a, first of all, a repository of all the data. And second of all, a, a very, very visual analytics platform that allows you to see what you're doing with your most important daily human activity, which is communication, right? I think even more important than, you know, waking up, brushing your teeth, going to the gym, you spend your day communicating and you spend your day either communicating with customers, you spend your day communicating with partners, investors, friends, advisors, family. It's our most important daily human activity. And I believe that the kind of insight that you can glean from putting that kind of uh, intelligence layer on top of messaging is just going to be so impactful. And so our long-term vision for the future is to be able to deliver that either at a very personal scale for you know a couple hundred people in your phone or hundreds of thousands or even hundreds of millions of people uh, in, in a business or an enterprise. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. You know, I remember the days when people were saying, oh, you know, no one's going to carry a phone around anymore, you know, or two devices or three devices and the phones are going to keep getting smaller. And now the format's getting bigger again. I mean, it's sort of this cyclical, right? What's old is new again. And so almost what you're saying is, you know, what was old was people are saying, ah, you know, communicating in that way on the phone is so 1990s or 2000s, right? But you're saying, well, yeah, but 
it's not the same phone it was and we don't have the same capabilities and SMS really changes that game if you if you do it right. I think personalization is key without being creepy. That's kind of my caveat. <laughs> so yeah. personalization without being creepy. Um, and I think, you know, just engaging with people in ways that there's connection. Are you seeing difference between sort of... Uh, age groups in, in who is adopting the technology Superphone? You know, are you seeing millennials really, uh, uh, you know, um, buying in? Are you seeing, uh, you know, Gen X, Gen Y? Are you, or is it just kind of a, across the board or by an industry? I mean, it, it's, it's across the board. I think our, our counterparts in the Far East have already adopted this concept and really understood and leveraged this concept that messaging is just, it's more instant, it's more engaged. Uh, conversion rates are higher. It's more convenient. And so when you look at what's happened at what's already happening with WeChat in, in Asia, I believe that all of that is, is definitely going to be coming to the Western world. It's going to be coming to the United States. Uh, and everyone is texting already. I think that really where Superphone is very, very much ahead of the curve is that we are predictively building technology that will allow you to handle the kind of inbound that you're inevitably going to get. Uh, and uh, especially since now everyone's building their own social profiles as well, you want to be able to have a platform that allows you to own the relationships that you're building as opposed to giving your relationship management to a platform. And so, yeah, look, I mean, look what's happening with, with cryptocurrency and decentralization of even money. I believe that same kind of of trend will happen in terms of our own personal data, right? And so we want to be able to just give people, and, and this is happening across the board. I mean, money is an issue whether you're a hundred years old or you're, you know, you just were born, right? And you're a dependent. The bottom line is that, you know, what you're going to do with your data. And I, when you look at messaging and texting, I mean, look, everybody is texting. They just realize that it's this is the protocol. Email was the protocol in the late 90s and 2000s. And texting or instant messaging, whether it's WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, WeChat, Line, Kick, Snapchat, Instagram direct messaging. I mean, instant messaging is really just the place where people are interacting most meaningfully. And it's just inevitable that all the same tools that have ever been built for email will be built for this um, protocol. And uh, I'm just so excited to be this early in terms of leading the charge on building a product that actually can can make sense and, and really deliver the kind of productivity that we've been seeing uh, with Superphone users. Well, Ryan, this has been fantastic. You know, I, I think it's an interesting... Um, I think it's interesting for people to see someone be very right brain and left brain. <laughs> Thank you. You've got both. Uh, and I'm, and I'm really excited to see uh, where you take Superphone and, and how it continues to evolve and become this new sort of communication and relationship building platform. I think it's a, it's a great way to extend this personal touch to a group of uh, fans or customers or just people in your lives, right? To stay in touch in this sort of ever created fast pace we're now all living in. So, you know, I'd love to just wrap this up uh, with with two last questions. One is kind of what's next for you on the music front? And then the next is kind of, you know, what excites you from a technology standpoint beyond sort of what you just covered really quickly from uh, uh, about the future sort of builds of, of the phone app, but, you know, sort of what's next there as well. 
Yeah. So on the music front, I'm always, always, always creating. I have a new project that's happening. It's an EP uh, that I'm actually doing in partnership with uh, Superphone Customer. Uh, actually, they're a watch company called Parmigiani Fleurier, and uh, they invited me to, they sponsored the Montreux Jazz Festival, invited me and uh, a small cohort of uh, Superphone employees and friends to come out. And I was just so inspired. So I have an EP that's coming called Fleurier Flows. And uh, that's happening literally in the in the next few weeks. It'll be on all, on all streaming platforms. And in terms of what I believe is the future, what I'm most excited about from a technology standpoint, I am really, really excited about messaging. And I'm excited about everything that I just talked about, which is the ability for all of us to be able to just have a snapshot of how we spent our day doing what's most important. So... And I believe that this this should be happening as early as possible. From the minute you have a phone, you should be, and I think Apple is starting to do this already. You should be able to see, hey, what am I spending my time doing on this device that's basically joined to me? What am I doing on this device? And I believe that communication is your most important activity. And I am very, very excited about what the what kind of advancements and acceleration we can have when we've got insights and analytics and information and intelligence on our most important daily activity. I'm, I'm, I'm so bullish on that. Oh, that's excellent. Well, Ryan, this has been a pleasure too, too quick that the time went by because there's so many other things I'd love to talk about, but thank you for spending a little bit of time with us and the what's next listeners. I think they'll be fascinated by your story and more importantly, be completely inspired by how you, uh, you know, look at the challenges and the opportunities in front of all of us. So thank yeah. you again for your time. Thank you. And I'd love to continue the conversation. Any listeners, the same way that you heard this happen, if you have any curiosity, you can just navigate to textryan.com. Leave me your number. You'll get a text back from me. That's my real cell phone. And let's continue the conversation. Textryan.com. Reach out and let's keep it going. Oh, well, thank you. And and just so you know, everybody who, who thinks, ah, he's not going to answer, he answered me and here we are. So yes. again, thank you, Ryan, for your time. Thank you. Well, that was an awesome conversation. My first sort of Grammy award-winning artist who's also just really making his name in the technology industry was Superphone. Uh, I love how humble he is about all of his success and really what he's trying to do to give back to a community of fans and more importantly, really trying to make sure that the connections between humans uh, continues as technology advances into these places where people feel like the human connection is getting lost along the way. I was super inspired by not only how smart he is just from an academic standpoint, but how wise he is about what's really important in life. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ryan as much as I did. And please don't forget to subscribe to the What's Next podcast, leave a review, share with your friends, make sure you give me feedback any chance you get. I look forward to having you listen in the next time. Have a great day. Bye-bye.